What up, world? It's your past first point guard and Blazer beat writer, Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. It's a wild day in the NBA. Trade deadline came and went. The Blazers made one move that saved them a little bit of money. But while the Blazers didn't do too much, plenty of players change hands. The... Most of the teams and many of the teams in the Western Conference playoff race made moves to fortify their positions, make their playoff push. I want to talk about what the Blazers did. I want to talk about some moves around the league that kind of maybe reflect either the Blazers' thinking or kind of shines a light onto the Blazers' situation that might not directly impact them. And then to close the show, I want to look at the Western Conference playoff race. Who got better? Did anybody get worse? And how the moves of the day on Thursday impacted the Blazers as they make a push for the playoffs. Real quick, uh, if this is your first lockdown, Blazers, welcome. Don't don't come to this podcast for recaps. The Blazers played the Spurs tonight. They won. It was an important basketball game. It will be important likely down the stretch as the Blazers push to the playoffs. Uh, Gary Trent Jr. was good, but I don't really do recaps on this podcast. That's not my thing. And today is about trades, so we're talking trades. That's uh, that's just how I do it. So let's get into it. The news of the day, indeed. The Blazers' big move. They traded Scalabissier to the Atlanta Hawks. Along with cash, they sent about... $2 million in cash, $1.759795, so $1.8 million, to the Atlanta Hawks, along with Scalabi Sierra, in exchange for a 2024 top 55 protected second round pick. What does that mean? That means that in the in 2024, if the Hawks are one of the five best teams in the league, and they have one of the final five picks in the NBA draft... It'll go to the Blazers. Otherwise, it'll dissolve. This pick will just... It's very, very unlikely to ever convey. Basically, the Blazers paid um, some money that you're allowed to, to send out in trades to make these things work. So the Atlanta Hawks would take Scal in. What did the Blazers get for their trouble for getting rid of Scal Sierra? Well... They save about $3.8 million towards the luxury tax, and their tax bill now drops down to $5.9 million, and the Blazers have an open roster spot. Unclear to me at this point whether the Blazers will use it, it being the open roster spot. Usually uh, these things happen towards the end of February, so we're probably a month away until the buyout season really p- starts to play out in earnest. Uh, but the Blazers made this move for one reason and one reason alone, for financial purposes. This was to have the team be less expensive. There is no way to spin it other than that. Now, how should you feel about it? I guess if you're someone who's kind of in the Mike Richmond camp of saying billionaires should just pay whatever it is they should pay, then you can be pissed and get your pitchfork, and we will rally Somewhere, I don't know where we'll rally. But look for the email if you're if you're grabbing your pitchfork. But the, the reason to be upset would be that this is just financially motivated. It makes the Blazers worse just by virtue of not having Scal. That said, we don't. Scal's been out with a knee injury. 
We're not sure when he's going to come back. The Blazers don't really put a timeline on it. He was supposed to be reevaluated probably during the All-Star break. I think the actual timeline was a little bit after the All-Star break, but you can imagine that they can they would evaluate him during at all times including during the All-Star break. So it's not clear when he was going to be able to return to the court even if that reevaluation date in March it doesn't mean that he's going to come back right away. So not having scale on the ro- having scale on the roster maybe there's a chance that uh, he just eats up a roster spot and costs them money without playing. So perhaps they get out from under his money and and got cheaper by not paying a guy who wasn't going to be available. But it's... I don't think there's a way to spin this that says the Blazers that this was sort of anything other than financially related. It's 100% financially related. And... I guess the reason to get your pitchfork is that uh, they didn't trade back for just a slightly cheaper player. They didn't re- they didn't trade back for someone on a, a slightly smaller contract. Scal's at the end of a rookie deal. You trade for someone on a cheaper rookie deal, something like that. Someone who could compete. I don't think this should be a surprise. The Blazers have been moving in this direction. Um, when the Trevor Ariza deal was reported, the Second tweet from Adrian Wojnarowski was about how the Blazers saved money. You can guess where that came from. If that's part of the incentive in these deals, you can imagine that's a big thing for them this time of year was to get cheaper. They didn't get out of the luxury tax. They still have a chance if they're going to be right at the cap next year. And depending on what they do, they could be a tax team again next year. And I don't want to get too in the weeds, but if you're a cap team three out of four seasons or four out of five seasons, you pay a repeater tax that's even stiffer. Um, Even billionaires with endless amounts of money would bristle at some of the tax penalties, paying $475 on the dollar for going over a certain threshold. Sure. Sure. No doubt about it. But this move signals that the Blazers were mostly concerned today about finances were comfortable with where they were felt like the Trevor Ariza deal made them better and I think I think pretty much objectively the team is better after making that one trade so making there wasn't going to be a big swing I want to talk about Hassan Whiteside who's still on the roster in the second segment that's why I haven't said his name yet but the one move they made was a minor one was a cost-cutting one, and was not about what happens on the court. Feel how you feel about it. If you feel happy for the Allen estate and Jody Allen not spending as much money in luxury taxes, cool. That's that's up to you. And if you feel really upset about it, that's, that's fine too. But I would caution you that we don't really know Scal's availability. We don't know if he's going to play again and if he could actually help on the court. So I would say it's okay to feel neutral on this one. This was a weird financially motivated deal and it I would imagine in the grand scheme it has very little impact, but it does give the Blazers an open roster spot. So when we get to the buyout season and there are people who get bought out of contracts, we can revisit it. We can revisit some options. All right, in the second segment, I want to talk about the guy who's still here, Hassan Whiteside. I want to talk about that in kind of in light of some other trades that happen around the league. We'll get into all that. But before we do, I want to tell you guys about Calm. We talk about physical fitness a lot, but there's another side of the game that's just as important. And I'm talking about mental fitness. And Calm 
is the number one app for sleep and meditation. And they've teamed up with LeBron James to help you train your mind. LeBron and Calm know that your mind is like any other muscle in your body. And Calm can help you train your brain so you sleep better, have less stress, and perform at your best. LeBron says, getting good sleep and finding time to rest is one of the most valuable things I can do for my body and mind. And if you believe what he says and you want to get involved, you can head to calm.com slash LockedOnNBA and you'll get 40% off a Calm Premium membership. That gives you access to nature scenes like rain and leaves and so much more like sleep stories and meditations. So... Go to calm.com slash lockdown MBA. That's calm.com slash lockdown MBA and get a 40% discount on annual membership. Unlock content to help you focus, ease stress, and sleep better. Get started at calm.com. That's C A L M dot C O M slash lockdown NBA. Calm.com slash lockdown MBA. All right, so we talked about the Blazers' minor move, a financially motivated one. Now let's talk about some moves around the league and how they might shed light onto how the Blazers approach the trade deadline. Here's the big one. Hassan Whiteside is still on the roster. This isn't a surprise. If you've been listening to this podcast, I told you that there was a limited market for Hassan Whiteside. And in addition, the Blazers just couldn't afford to trade him because of the way the rest of the roster was constructed. And then additionally, he's just making a ton of money. It's hard to trade someone making that much money. But for the sake of comparison, another stat-stuffing, somewhat limited defensively, but good shot-blocking big man was on the market. He too was making tons of money. I'm talking about Detroit's Andre Drummond. And what did Detroit do? They salary dumped that fool. They traded him to Cleveland for John Henson, Brandon Knight, welcome back to Detroit, Brandon, and a second round pick in the 2023 draft. And not just any second round pick, the lesser of the pick between Golden State or Cleveland. So a bad second round pick. In fact, the worst the worst of two options of second-round picks. The Andre Drummond trade is evidence as much as anything for why Hassan is still a Blazer. That and plus all the other cost-cutting moves. If the Blazers were going to make a deal to get rid of Hassan and not take on money, which seems to be a thing that they wanted to do based on how they approached the Kent Bazemore-Trevor Reza deal, based on what they did with Scalabi Sierra earlier in this day, they did not want to add to their tax bill. They did not want to take on future money in the process. They wanted to get cheaper, and if they could get better, that was a bonus. But cheaper was certainly the the headline. That subdeck was about getting better, being more competitive. But it was a financial thing. And if the market for Drummond, who's better than Hassan Whiteside? Whiteside's been really good recently. I I think I've been pretty critical on this podcast, but he's been really good over the last month, three three and a half weeks. He's he's really putting it together. He was good against the Spurs. (laughs) No recaps, but he was good against the Spurs. Um, So this was the market, was John Hansen, who is a serviceable backup big, but not not close to a starting caliber NBA player. Uh, he went to the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill, y'all. But 
Um, Brandon Knight, who is will be out of the NBA, I would assume, when this contract is up. And a bad draft pick, a bad second-round draft pick. That's the market for someone who is similar price, similar skill set, and probably better than Hassan Whiteside. So that gives you the sense of what the market was for Hassan. Another thing real quick, Neil Olshay did an interview with my colleague at uh, NBC Sports Northwest tonight, and he said that Hassan Whiteside was never on the market. I, I'm just going to say that that's not true. I don't think that's true at all. I think he wasn't on the market in the sense that the Blazers weren't calling around, what can we get for Whiteside? Like today, they weren't just shopping him everywhere. But the idea that they didn't make phone calls and generally just perform their due diligence in being a front office on Hassan Whiteside and figuring out the market is just, that's patently false. That is not true. They certainly... Uh, figured out the market for Hassan, probably found out that it was something like what the the Pistons got back and said, cool, we are closing off those trade talks. There's also some obvious limitations in trading Hassan Whiteside um, because they were going to need to get back a starting center, so that really limits the kind of trade partners that you can go after. Um, it, it just... he. He didn't have a market. He was hard to trade for a variety of reasons. And right now he's helping them win. Um, so he wasn't ever he wasn't really ever going anywhere, but they certainly they certainly considered trading him. There's no there's no doubt in my mind that they considered trading him. That's um it's wild to that they would suggest otherwise. Um, but not surprising, that's kind of how they spin things in that part of the world. But I think the Andre Drummond trade just it gives you that sense of why why it wouldn't have happened as much as anything. The other trade I want to talk about before we get into this third segment is the big the big old deal that sent D'Angelo Russell to the Minnesota Timberwolves in exchange for a 2021 first round pick and Andrew Wiggins. So Golden State gets Andrew Wiggins on this massive contract. They get a pretty sexy pick, a 2021 draft pick that's only top three protected. Chances are the T-Wolves will be bad because they've been bad for most of their existence. And that 2021 pick could be a pretty a pretty nice lottery pick. It's a nice little get for Golden State. They had to take on the Wiggins contract, which is rough. Um, it puts... It kind of, in my eyes... I don't love it on Minnesota side because it kind of just handicaps them into a specific thing. They are a team that has D'Angelo Russell and a team that has Carl Anthony Towns and they have to build around these two guys and their max contracts and figure out what's next. Now, the Russell and Towns are both talented. They've been all-stars in the past, um, but neither of these guys are elite elite on both ends of the court um towns does not is not much of a defender despite being an all-world level offensive player jangelo russell is a really specifically talented pick and roll player who has some limitations on offense despite his sort of creativity and getting up floaters and weird step backs so i don't really want to talk too much about um the golden state side you can find that on locked on warriors or locked on Timberwolves. What I want to talk about here is that this trade, what this trade strikes me as, is a franchise finding themselves at a crossroads where they stink right now. They've got a player under contract for a long term, and Carl Anthony Towns said this week, you can tell my patience is running thin. This sounded like a ticking time bomb before a player 
demanded a trade, handcuffed a small market to trade a franchise player and and put them you know five years behind the eight ball as they had to rebuild. And so what they did was they went and traded for one of his good friends. And I just want to point this out to say that the Blazers have never found themselves in this position. Damian Lillard is involved in front office decisions. He was a big proponent of going to trade for Hassan Whiteside. No doubt about it. This was That was Dame's guy and they went and got him. But he doesn't demand that they make moves. He doesn't sign off on every single move. I mean, he he gets he gives them at least some okay, and they give him a heads up on what they're going to do, but he isn't in there in the draft room scouting college players and things like that. And I think that the difference in sort of how organizations are run gives you an appreciation for what the Blazers have with Damian Lillard, what they have with this franchise, some stability and a plan and all these things. They're not going to be caught in a situation where Dame, under a max contract for four more seasons, says, you better go get him or I'm going to demand a trade. You know, he had a sit-down with Paul Allen two years ago um, when he was upset about the direction of the franchise. But he didn't come to the point where he demanded a trade or demanded they did this or that. He just said, I want to win. I don't want to be on a shitty team. I think the Wolves kind of handcuffing themselves to make sure that they go bet, go get their star player, a buddy, should make you appreciate what the Blazers have in Dame. He's not someone who's going to force you to go get a buddy. All right, third segment, talk about what other moves happened in the West, who got better, and what it means for the Trailblazers. But before we get there, I want to tell you about advertising on this podcast. If you've been a listener to this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with the Locked On Podcast Network. But you may not know that Locked On Blazers is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Trailblazers fans. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On Blazers gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners, and not just any podcast listener, a Locked On Blazers podcast listener. So... If your company wants to connect with Blazer fans, then put your company right here on this podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. It's just a fact. Here's what you do. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. Okay. Still past first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. Still locked on Blazers. We're still talking all things trade deadline. I want to go do a quick run through the West. Look at the top nine teams in the West. The teams ahead of the Blazers in the standings. And talk about the moves they made. And whether they got better. Whether they got worse. And what it means for the Blazers. First of all. The Lakers did nothing. The Utah Jazz did nothing. OKC reportedly was close to trading Danilo Gallinari to the Heat, but didn't do a thing. Dallas didn't do anything. The San Antonio Spurs, they never make trades in season. They didn't do it this year either. So that leaves basically three teams ahead of the Blazers in the West that made moves. I think at least one of them got obviously better. The Los Angeles Clippers 
were involved in what eventually became a three-team deal. But the big parts that they gave up is they gave up a first-round pick this season and Maurice Harkless, who ended up the New York Knicks, in exchange for Marcus Morris. Now, the Clippers are going to start a super giant lineup with Pat Bev and Kawhi Leonard and Marcus Morris and Paul George and probably Zubak, maybe Montrez Harrell eventually. But I, Marcus Morris is, is probably better than Mo Harkless. He's certainly shooting better from him on the floor this season. He has more. He's a better individual offensive player. Um, he's probably not the rebounder Mo is or the cutter just in like random cutting in space, but he's, he's probably overall just, just clearly a better basketball player than Mo. I think the Clippers got better. Uh, they didn't give up too, too, too much. Uh, Jerome Robinson, a reserve guard for them. Who's fine. Um, he can play, but he, he's not going to move the needle or change much for him. He wasn't going to play in the playoffs unless something went wrong. I think the Clippers got better. I don't know how much that impacts the Blazers, to be quite honest. It might mean the Clippers are slightly more likely to finish first in the West, which would mean that the Blazers are would be significantly... The Blazers are going to finish eighth if they make the playoffs, unless something really wild happens. So it would maybe it makes them, the Blazers more likely to face the Clippers in the first round of the playoffs. Next up is the Denver Nuggets, who got rid of basically their young restricted free agents. Malik Beasley, they sent out Juancho Hernan Gomez in exchange for what became a slightly more elaborate trade because they, they moved Shabazz Napier along, but they got Noah Vonley, Keita Bates-Diop, a sort of, in theory, stretchy four who played at Ohio State, a young guy who, who played for the Timberwolves, and then Jordan McRae from the Washington Wizards. I don't think that Denver got worse. I'm not sure that they got better. I kind of like Jordan McRae. He's a wing who can score and do stuff. Um, they they probably could use that a little bit on the margins just because of their health right now. But in a perfect world for the Nuggets, Jordan McRae doesn't play. He's behind Michael Porter Jr. and Will Barton. Noah Vonley shouldn't play when they're healthy um, they've got Jeremy Grant and they've got Paul Millsap and Mason Plumley and Jokic is going to play a ton of minutes. Same for Keita Bates-Diop. Um, in theory, he's, I like him better than Noah with, with Jokic because Diop is a better cutter. He's maybe a little more creative with the ball in his hands. Noah's kind of, um, one note. But neither of those dudes are going to play. They're they're the end of the roster. So basically what Denver did was they got some young, interesting flexibility in exchange for guys who they were going to let walk at the end of the season. I don't think Denver got worse. I don't think they got better. I'm a Malik Beasley fan. (laughs) Real heads will remember that I called him DeMarcus Beasley like all during the playoffs last year because I kept recording these podcasts at 1 in the morning. Um, Shout out to DeMarcus Beasley, U.S. men's national team star. Um, Shout out to Malik Beasley, who I think is a pretty solid wing and could help Minnesota a little bit do whatever they is they're planning on doing. But I don't think Denver got worse. I I, I like what they did um, just in terms of, you know, rearranging some chairs. But I don't think they got um, I don't think this this is going to drop them or make them climb, obviously, in the standings. The where they're headed in the West is based a lot on how healthy their roster can get. 
Houston, right behind Denver. And boy, oh boy, did they do some stuff. The Houston Rockets basically decided that one of the great experiments of modern basketball, they're going to go centerless. They got rid of Clint Capella. They're going to start six foot six North Carolina native P.J. Tucker. Shout out to Enlo High School in Raleigh, North Carolina. P.J. Tucker is going to be their starting center. That's wild. Um, they've played a ton of minutes with P.J. at center the last couple seasons, the last two seasons for sure. Um, it's been good. Now they're just going to say instead of doing it in for you know 11 minutes a night, they're going to do it for 39 or 40 minutes a night. Um, they're not going to play a center, it looks like. The one game so far into this experiment where they have they got Robert Covington from the T-Wolves in, in this trade, a very useful, talented defensive wing, um, I guess, for the Rockets. He's also a potential center candidate. But when P.J. Tucker got in foul trouble, they put in Tabo Sevalosha. Like, they're going to play small. They're going to do this crazy centerless experiment. Um, I don't know what to think about it. I am certainly very curious by how much they're leaning into being themselves. I don't, I think, I kind of think in the short term, Houston will be a little bit worse. But I think overall, like whether this would drop them from that sort of fourth, third, fourth tier into the six, seven tier, I'm not a, I'm not a believer in that. I kind of think that what they do is going to be so weird and so hard to prepare for during the regular season that over these final 25 games of the year, they're going to be able to just sneak up on teams with their bizarreness. In the playoffs, that's a whole nother story. But if we're just talking about seeding heading into the playoffs, I think being this bizarre will be an advantage for Houston to some extent. The final team and the most important team that did something is the Memphis Grizzlies. They traded Andre Iguodala and Jay Crowder and, to a very lesser extent, Solomon Hill. We'll just whisper Solo's name. But they traded those three wings to the Miami Heat. In return, they got back Justice Winslow. He's the big prize. If he's healthy, Winslow's good. We'll get back to him. They also got Dion Waiters and James Johnson. They're going to waive Dion Waiters reportedly, so this might be the end of the line for Dion. You had a good run in the league. You had some special moments. You called yourself the best backcourt in the league with Kyrie Irving, but this might be it for you, Dion. We loved you here on Lockdown Blazers. They also got James Johnson in that Miami deal. Um, then they flipped James Johnson for Gorgie Jang uh, from the T-Wolves. And also in another separate deal, they landed Jordan Bell, who had come over in the Robert Covington, blah, 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 four-team Clint Capella deal with Houston. They flipped Bruno Caboclo and got Jordan Bell. So they ended up with Justice Winslow, Gorgie Jang and Jordan Bell in exchange for Iguodala and Jay Crowder and Solomon Hill. Now, here's the big question. You kind of thought they might get more for Iguodala, and then it seemed like they might get nothing for Iguodala, and then it seems... Then when they were going to make this trade, um, they get this nice piece in Justice Winslow. But the problem is, if Justice Winslow's on the court, he's really good, but he's missed a ton of time. So the question is, is Justice Winslow and his potential availability better than what Jay Crowder actually brought to the team? Now, people who are close to the Grizzlies have told me, and by close I mean uh, media members who cover the team, not 
front office folks. Uh, but 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 that Crowder actually wasn't very good this year. They pointed to his poor shooting, and they and they mentioned that he's that the team is I believe undefeated when he's out of the lineup. I think that's kind of random, but it's a really good thing to note. Um, and that and then maybe Kyle Anderson is just better than him for what they want to do. Uh, maybe they can play Brandon Clark more at that spot. Uh, they, I was really worried about Jay Crowder, but other, other folks have assured me that he isn't the key and that Solomon Hill's not particularly good, even though he's been having a career year. I'm not a Solomon Hill guy. I don't need convincing on that. But the question is, is Memphis better? Are they better? That's what we're trying to answer with the, with all these trade uh, reviews. And for my money, I think Memphis is going to be a little bit worse. A little bit worse. I think not having the bodies of Jay Crowder and Solomon Hill, and having to maybe get back Justice Winslow, who's missed a ton of time with his back injury, and we don't really know when he'll be available. Gorgie Jang helps him a little, I guess, because he adds some front-line depth, but I'm not a big believer in him being someone who impacts winning a great deal. I'm not a Jordan Bell guy. Maybe some of you people out there are Oregon Duck fans. Sorry, but I'm not a Jordan Bell guy. I think he was a nice player on a very good team. And since then, he kind of hasn't found his way at all um, with the Warriors after that or the other places that he's been. I think this is kind of good news for Blazer fans. That's what I want to close the show saying. I think Memphis got a little bit worse. Did they get dramatically worse? Are they going to drop to 11th all of a sudden? No, but I think Memphis got a little bit worse today. I think they made a good move for the future. Uh, even though Justice Winslow went to Duke and I'm a known Tar Heel and a hater, I think he's a good a good basketball player. I think he can do a lot of different things. He can guard four positions. He can he can make plays with the ball in his hands. Um, I'm, a, I'm a big believer in Justice Winslow as an NBA player. But if he's not healthy... He doesn't help them, and right now he's not healthy. And I think Memphis got a little bit worse, which means that the Blazers' chances of making the playoffs probably got a little bit better. That's the best news on the trade deadline day for the Blazers, is that the team ahead of a team ahead of them in the standings may have gotten marginally worse. That's good news, Rip City. All right, more basketball to come, less trade talk, at least for now. We'll evaluate these trades as we get further down the line and once we see people actually play games, wear new jerseys, all those things. Appreciate everyone for listening. Tell your friends about this podcast. Tell them they can get where they already get podcasts. Google, Apple, Stitcher, SoundCloud. I truly appreciate listening. Talk to you soon.